Are you one of those people that forgot everything since high school? We're about letters and learning. And, and learning. E educating adults. And education. Yep. Yep. Do you want to learn things about stuff? You saw Breaking Bad? Sudafed is used to make meth. Or would you like to learn the definitions of new words? I like tomato soup. Or are you just lonely? I consulted a wizard on this one. Great, we're the pod for you. Hey, I'm Carly. And I'm Kelsey. And we're two best friends that talk about everything from A to Z. In that order. Listen to Brought to You by the Letter every Thursday to learn more stuff. And things. Okay, bye. Love you, bye. Bye. Coming up on episode 37 of Anchor Persons. The World Wide Web turns dirty 30. Titanic 2. Have an ice day. The candy that wouldn't die. Have you ever hula danced during a webinar? Would you like to? And what does Ricky J have to do with... Ghost Rider? Stay tuned to learn, ladies and gentlemen. This is Anchor Persons. From the south and east of the northwest, the land of trees and rivers, currently on fire, it's Anchor Persons with Gene and Greg Person. Featuring sports, emotional weather, food crime, the podcast shopping network, and more. Anchors weigh you down. Cut loose with your news. Here's Gene and Greg. Good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, and welcome to Anchor Persons. I'm Gene Person. And I'm Greg Person. No relation. Anchor Persons is a news show for people who don't like news shows by people who don't like news shows. That's right. And this week, folks, we're very excited to welcome some new subscribers. Uh, as you might remember from previous episodes, we've talked about how we wanted to do more social media, reach out to people more. And it's paying off. We've got some new folks in the audience this week. And I just want to say, welcome. We love you. And you are now legally married to me and Gene and everyone else in the audience. Yeah, that's that's due to podcast law, right? Yes, and also maritime law. Right. Well, I mean, it's the same difference, really. Yeah, it's, it's weird how maritime law became subsumed into podcast law, but I guess there are more podcast than sailing ships at this point yeah but i mean it used to be the other way around yeah very few podcasts in the 1700s so we are stepping up our social media game uh we're we're going to be back on facebook we're going to be creating an instagram even uh making a tiktok we're working on some video stuff so our youtube channel is back under construction this is all stuff that's coming soon uh, we're already doing some of it we're going to be unveiling it in the weeks to come all right shall we dive into our story beats yeah let's get into our story beats Okay, well, item one. Oh, did you want to go first? No, you go ahead. That's fine. All right. Item one, animal control is on the lookout for a venomous cobra in a Dallas suburb. Residents are excited for the opportunity to die of something other than COVID. <laughs> Kentucky Senator and perm enthusiast Rand Paul this week released an impassioned video calling for resistance to common sense measures to stem the spread of COVID, saying they can't arrest all of us. He's wrong, though, because you sort of can arrest a person who died of COVID. You can slap cuffs on a corpse. Sure. But much like the career of Senator Rand Paul, it just feels like a pointless exercise in wrongness. The LAX jetpack guy is back, recently sighted at 5,000 feet. No jokes, just glad he's still up there. 
Stay safe, hero. The U.S. economy now has a record 10.1 million job openings as of June, and those openings now exceed the number of unemployed Americans. However, workers are also quitting jobs, sometimes en masse and in record numbers. Here's a cool life hack for all the employers out there who would like to stay in business. Pay a living wage. IKEA customers can now win a candle that smells like their famous meatballs. Gwyneth Paltrow is considering legal action. The band Limp Biscuit has announced that they'll be canceling their remaining August tour dates due to concerns regarding the spread of COVID-19. This cancellation, they assured reporters multiple times, was entirely because of COVID and not at all due to a nearly comprehensive lack of public interest. You know, Gene, they're going to lose a lot of money on this deal, but that's fine because they're not in it for the money. Don't, don't, don't. Please don't. I didn't do it. You did it in your head just now. You know why I did it? For the nookie? You Come know, on, the nookie? You know, Greg, I hope you know I'm like a chainsaw. Oh, how so? I fell trees. I don't remember the rest of the lyrics to that song. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough about the news. Let's move on to main news. It's just one of those days. Okay, so last week I was on vacation in Southern California, and we took a day trip to visit a theme park I hadn't been to since the mid-90s, Knott's Berry Farm. I was really excited for the trip because I wanted to see what little Gene thought about amusement parks and roller coasters, his daddy's passion, and it turns out he's a chip off the old block. My little adrenaline junkie. That said, one thing I was looking forward to was riding Ghost Rider, a coaster that was built in 98, so it's one that I'd never had the opportunity to ride. Ghost Rider is a wooden roller coaster in a double out-and-back format with twister elements that boosts a 2-minute, 40-second ride time, which is pretty impressive, and a fucking buttload of negative Gs. What that means to non-coaster fans is weightlessness. That's right. Fuck Beth Jezos. I get my zero G like a real person. A gene person. Ghost Rider has routinely ranked in coaster enthusiast lists as a top 10 wooden roller coaster, and let me tell you, Greg, after finally getting the chance to ride it, I understand why. That roller coaster was the smoothest wooden ride I've ever enjoyed. It was fast, it was fun, and my two minutes and change on that beast was well worth the price of admission alone. Ghost Rider is now in my top 10 coasters of all types and is easily my top wooden coaster. It cost a whopping $24 million to build, but god damn, it's a good ride. And just for a point of clarification, you stay in the train the whole time. At no point do you hop out and dance alongside the Ghost Rider. Okay, so you can't Ghost Ride this particular whip. Right, you cannot Ghost Ride the roller coaster. Even though it's called the Ghost Rider. Even though it's called the Ghost Rider. Okay, that seems like it's asking for trouble, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But what does that have to do with Ricky J? Mm. Now, I know that you know this uh, because you're a big fan of magic, as I am, mm-hmm. and also Deadwood, uh, which is a show that Ricky J acted on. A lot of people don't know him by name. He's one of those magicians. He's the greatest magician you've never heard of, for sure. Uh, he's uh, a magician's magician, the kind that other magicians want to know. But he actually didn't get along well with a lot of magicians uh, because he didn't believe in buying or stealing tricks. He kind of, he did all his own work and his own research, which is what made him uh, probably the greatest historian of magic that there ever will be. Certainly um, one of the greatest card handlers and sleight of hand artists that there will ever be. 
and uh, he actually just died a couple of years ago in 2018 at the age of 72. And the thing that's the most tragic about that is that because he was a little bit secretive and because he knew so much more about magic than other magicians, the a lot of the things that he knew were just lost now, and we don't even know what they are. So it's kind of a burning of the Library of Alexandria situation. Right, that's terrible. But you can still uh, see a lot of his work on the internet. Uh, his special, Ricky J and his 52 Assistants, which mm-hmm. is actually directed by David Mamet. Hmm. Um, you can find that online. It is delightful. Uh, I watched it the other night, and it's just a feast of, of language and humor and the best card tricks you will ever see in your life. I'm a big fan of Ricky Jay's. I, I remember when I was a teenager watching a special that was on you know, Showtime or HBO, one of those. It was an evening with Ricky Jay, and it was incredible. Just the sleight of hand work that he did was unbelievable. The, the fact that he can throw at distance a playing card and pierce not just the flesh of a watermelon, but the rind. Oh, yeah. He had the uh, Guinness World Record for longest distance throw of a playing card. It's incredible. He was he was just uh, such a talented man. Absolutely. But what does he have to do with your giant wooden roller coaster? Well, that's the real question. So, you know, they're obviously both superlative. That's true. Greatest wooden roller coaster, greatest magician. I know some would argue that the... The Beast at King's Island is the greatest wooden roller coaster, but I'm not hearing it right now. Of course, I've never been east of Denver, so... Well, then you've never gotten to ride the Cyclone either, which is the other wooden roller coaster that people get hot and bothered about. Yeah, they can they can have it. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Okay, so a wooden roller coaster is kind of a, a deliberately old-fashioned antiquarian contraption, right? I see where you're going with this, and I like it. Yes, Ricky Jay is, because he was a historian, mm-hmm. very much an antiquarian. Um, one of the reasons why he was never rich is that anytime he got a little bit of money, he would spend it on books. Old books that cost shitloads of money. Right. And, um, you know, that's no way to build a fortune because those things, he wasn't really interested in selling them. He wanted them for himself. Right. And, I mean, that did pay dividends in a way because... He could do tricks that you'd never seen before because they were adapted from a treatise on juggling that he translated from Italian from 1570. Right. Like, so, I mean, he could do things like that, but it, it kept him not dirt poor, but but never 100% solvent. But, I mean, that's that's part of his charm, like your wooden roller coaster. So this is a really well-reasoned, um, beautiful linking between these two sort of disparate things i have Uh one too i'd like to to propose oh go for it the ghost rider roller coaster could also hit a watermelon at speed from a distance and probably pierce its rind oh yeah it'd fuck that watermelon right up right i mean i'm sure i don't know how much this wooden roller coaster weighs but i mean and i'm not technically a physicist but i can do the back of the envelope math (laughs) on that one yeah yeah now, in, in this roller coaster, like most roller coasters, would you say that there are a lot of twists and turns? Um, there are a couple of twists and turns. Double Out and Back is a different format than, like, say, a Co- Coney Island Cyclone type coaster, which is a traditional twister. 
Mm-hmm. Out and back coasters are more about the hills and the drops. And they take you out and then back. And because it's double out and back, it then takes you out and back again. It does have some twister elements, so it does curve in a little uh, and, and twist in between its track a little bit. But it's not its not like a traditional twister coaster. So the twists and turns, unlike a magic show, which I, I think a magic show is built on twists and turns. Mm-hmm. And certainly you see a lot of those in the work of Ricky Jay. You wouldn't see that on the roller coaster. But here's here's... Here's where you can make that sort of work. Because an out and back coaster is all about the hills, it does have ups and downs. And a lot of the downs are freaking unexpected. So it Mm. does catch you by surprise. At one point, it caught Gil by surprise so much that she had to catch her glasses as they were floating off her face. Oh, dip. Yeah. Yeah. We're real. She, She had those kind of reflexes. That kind of experience is exactly why I hate roller coasters. As we will be friends until the end of time, but you will never get me on a roller coaster, sir. I don't it, need anyone to go on a roller coaster except me. <laughs> You're like, you all can keep your stupid ground. I have the sky. Right. <laughs> right. It's it's all about my thrills. Like I, I'm it's not even about the adrenaline. It's I genuine there are things certain types of scares that I really enjoy. Well, all my thrills at amusement parks are funnel cake based. That's kind of how I feel sitting quietly in my room watching a YouTube video of a guy doing card tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, thrills are found in all kinds of corners, and I, for one, enjoy the thrills from Ricky J almost as much as I enjoyed that two-minute ride on a roller coaster, but they lasted a hell of a lot longer than the two-minute ride on a roller coaster. So there's that. Well, and you know, one thing, if I were going to pick out a part of his routine that reminded me of a roller coaster, it would probably be at the very beginning of his Ricky J and his 52 assistant special. He goes a mile a minute with this verbiage, this patter that is just the most beautiful, ornate oratory. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's doing it all. He's delighting you with language to cover up for all the work that he's doing with his hands, you know. Right. And and it's very much like being on a roller coaster. You have that feeling of slowly ramping up and accelerating. Sure. And then you're, you're dropping. And then at the end of it, you find yourself in a place that is totally different than what you expected. That is, that is beautiful. That alone is a great use of language, Greg. Thank you for that. I do have one other kind of surprising tie. So Ricky Jay is a magician, right? This is one yes. of the most reviled kinds of entertainers. You know, <laughs> is it really? I it really is. Like a lot of people look down on magicians. Uh, second only to like say mimes and ventriloquists. Well, the last time that I was in Knott's Berry Farm, we saw Ron Lucas performing there who is at the, at the time he was a fairly famous ventriloquist. He was at one time the most famous ventriloquist in the U S I think I, I had a bit of an obsession with ventriloquism too. I, I never actually became any good at it, but uh, I did know a lot of ventriloquists and I was so excited to see Ron Lucas. I got to see Terry Fader at a casino once. Okay. <laughs> 
I, I, I love Ron Lucas. Uh, Terry Fader, he's he's okay. I like him. He's okay. Well, I, I, Ron Lucas is is will always. It's kind of like you know, Mike Nelson versus Joel Robinson as the host of MST3K. I appreciate Mike. He's funny. He's probably funnier than Joel in some ways, but Joel will always be my favorite host. Well, I'm a Mike man just because I don't have the strong connection to the show as a whole that mm-hmm. I feel like the Joel fans do. Well, because we've been watching it for a little bit longer, I think. And so we saw the different iterations. There's one example of a show where that doesn't play out, and that is Blue's Clues. So Blue's Clues started with Steve, right? Mm-hmm. And Steve, there are a lot of diehard Steve fans. And then they went on. I don't remember who came second, but it doesn't matter because Josh is awesome. He is better in a lot of ways than Steve. He's way more of an entertainer. And uh, I'm way off topic, aren't I? Yeah, this is not a Blue's Clues podcast, but that's okay because that's what we do. We go on adventures. We take the twists and turns in the up and downs. Right. And we sit down in our thinking chair and think, think, think. I assume that's a reference to Blue's Clues. I wouldn't know because I've never seen it. You know what? I need to table this. I'm going to put it down in my handy dandy notebook. Well, swiper, no swiping. Is that a thing? Is that is that anything? <laughs> that's, yes, that is a thing. That is Dora the Explorer. Little Gene is probably thrilled. This is the best episode of Anchor Persons ever. If he happens to, <laughs> if he happens to be in the car when we're playing it, we've talked about roller coasters. We've talked about Blue's Clues. He's set. He's good. Yeah, yeah he's good. All right, so I think we've done a pretty good job of tying these two things together. Uh, Shall we move on to breaking news? Let's do. Greetings, gentle listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also like Brosé, a mirthy talk show starring four bros who sip wine and consider questions submitted by you, the audience, about current events, pop culture, and which Muppet you should get tattooed on your back. Subscribe to Brosé wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-R-O-S-E. Brosé. The podcast for those who drink rosé. August 6, 1991, an English computer scientist called Tim Berners-Lee made public an invention called the World Wide Web. Now, to paraphrase Douglas Adams about the creation of the universe, this has made a lot of people very angry and has widely been regarded as a bad move. I love it. In those 30 years... The web has transformed and deformed us individually and as a society in ways that we were completely unprepared for and even now struggle to understand, let alone control. It's the reason you can have finished licorice candy delivered to your door in 48 hours and the reason your mom believes the earth is flat now. It's not all bad, although it can feel like it sometimes, but those of us like you and I, Gene, who remember what the world was like before, Sometimes we stop and marvel at how weird everything has become because of the World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. We live in the future that Tim inadvertently created, for which we extend our sincere thanks and an equally sincere fuck you. So Tim created the internet. It wasn't wasn't Al Gore. No, everything comes back to Tim. Okay. I mean, we named our our fans well. Tim's good on you. In a way, if you think about it, Tim's are creating the internet right now. It's because true. Because they're on the World Wide Web. They're essentially on a website, although nobody believes in websites anymore. Everything is called apps. But guess what? Your apps, they're just websites. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, you're creating the internet right now with your participation. Um, so thanks. And also fuck you on to my story. Some of our listeners might be familiar with the story of the Titanic, the ill-fated ocean liner that crowned Leo DiCaprio, King of the world. I've heard of it, but did you know there's a museum dedicated to the Titanic? Because there is, and it's in the most logical place you could possibly imagine. Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. <laughs> Dubbed the world's largest museum attraction, the Titanic Museum offers a glimpse at $4.5 million worth of artifacts from the ship, including a $1 million exact replica of the Titanic's grand staircase. The opportunity to touch an iceberg and feel 28-degree water, shovel coal into a boiler, learn to send an SOS, experience the sloping decks of the stern as she descended, sit on an actual size lifeboat, and more. Now the ice iceberg wall is where things got dicey as it collapsed and injured three guests. These poor guests, they visit a museum climbing aboard a replica of the ship and they get hit by an iceberg. Who could have called that? One of the guests returned to the museum after being cleared from the hospital and threw a necklace off the roof into the parking lot. They called it the Museum of Dreams, Greg, and it was. It really was. Beautiful. Tragic, but beautiful. <laughs> it should be noted that nobody died in this uh, iceberg wall collapse. It was all just injuries. You know what I love about Dollywood is that a lot of Dollywood is just like, what do people like to see? Titanic? Yeah, we can do one of those. Why not? <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on to sports. So for our sports segment this week, I want to talk about basketball. The sport of basketball is okay. It's at least kind of watchable compared to the sport of football, which I know, I know it's popular. I, I just, I'll never understand how or why. That said, basketball, while fast paced, could possibly be improved. And this is what I propose. Step one is we've got to make the baskets harder to get. We're going to do that in two ways. Number one, we're going to raise the baskets by at least 20 feet. This will make sense later. Number two, we're adding a position. Goalie. In the restricted area of each side, a player exists who can make any kind of contact with another player as long as he doesn't touch their head or neck or like break their arm or something. He can also kick the ball. He's the one player who can kick the ball. We're also going to be making some changes to the court. The wooden basketball court is a tired relic of yesteryear. We're replacing it with a surface comprised entirely of trampolines. Dribbling doesn't exist anymore and was a dumb name for bouncing anyway. We're going to fill the ball with helium, rendering it lighter and hopefully more difficult to manipulate. If a game ties, we remove half the trampolines in a checkerboard fashion. Underneath the tramps is a pool. A player touches water, he's out. He doesn't get replaced with another player. He's fucking out. The ball touches water. The last player to handle it is out. Again, this is all sudden death. It's OT. We can keep basketball as it is, but I really think ultimate basketball should be a thing. And if we still had a trampoline park in town, I'd start a league. I love it. Can I, can I make one addition? Now, the water, I think we should dye with like, like a fluorescent dye. So that if you hit the water, it stays on your skin for a couple of days and everybody knows that you were out. Yeah. And everyone also thinks that you robbed a bank. Right. And so, I mean, there's risk there. It's going to disincentivize you from being out mm -hmm. because, you know, 
you, you're not going to be able to like go out in public for a couple days. All right, all right, we can do that. We're this is this is we're we're blue sky in this sucker. So I mean, I'd watch it. Yeah, I'd I'd certainly watch it. I'd play it. Let's move on to our creature feature. What's our creature this week, Greg? Okay, well, you probably are familiar with these guys if you've done social media anytime in the last five years. It's the Quokka. Uh, oh, yeah. The Quokka is a, he's a small little marsupial about the size of a cat and almost impossibly cute because just from the shape of their little faces, they look like they're always smiling. So they look like they want to be your friends. And guess what? They kind of do because people go to the island where the Quakas live, which is called Rotnest Island, and they take selfies with the Quokka. Uh, Margot Ruby did it. Uh, the Thor guy did it, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people were very excited about that. And they love to pose for pictures. In fact, although Quokkas are nocturnal, they've started staying up later so that they can take selfies with people. Okay. But do not touch them because they will bite the shit out of you. And also, it's a $300 fine uh, if you touch the quokka. But it's in Australian money, so maybe you just want to touch one. (laughs) But don't feed them because human food gives them a terrible disease called lumpy jaw, which sounds cute, but it's not. No, that sounds awful, actually. And also, when they're threatened, you know what their defense strategy is? They they throw their babies on the ground and run away. What is it with this show and eating children don't eat your kids quokkas what is up with that it's it's a thing i guess maybe maybe that guy from that story so long ago maybe he was a quokka so let's say let's say i want to avoid i i I don't let's say i have enough money to pay off the 300 dollar uh fine australian which i probably do um i'm going to go to the inviting island of Rotnest. Yes, and uh, which is Dutch for rat nest because, of course, the Dutch thought they were a kind of rat. Oh, okay. And uh, pet a kawaka who is then going to bite the shit out of me and potentially get lumpy jaw if he eats any of my flesh. Right, and he'll yeet his baby at you. Yeah, or and then run I away. Guess she will, because it's the females that have the pouches with the baby. I see, I see. So, wow. That sounds like a hell of a trip. Oh, I mean, if it's good enough for Thor, it's good enough for me. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. But here's some here's some uh, good news to end on. Mm-hmm. Although these little guys are endangered uh, for the standard region reasons that animals become endangered, you know, habitat loss, mm-hmm. uh, this kind of thing, incursion of humans into their area, um, the tourism industry has actually helped the quokka. Oh, so that's great. They've rebounded a bit, and there's reason to hope that they make it. Also, obviously, don't try to get one as a pet. It is illegal, and they'll bite the shit out of you. And let's be honest, they're not a flying squirrel. It's time for the emotional weather. This week, our emotional weather, desert, dessert, and just desserts. During my vacation last week, I spent some time in the Antelope Valley of California, which is a desert. If you've never been, I wouldn't bother. It was 114 degrees in the shade. Parts of our car literally melted off in the heat and it's ugly sure joshua trees all look like they're headed somewhere fast and they're really excited about it but it's just 
Every surface of that place is some kind of beige. What's more amazing to me is just how many people choose to live in that forsaken hellscape. It's at least 11, and that's 11 more than it ought to be. Well, for my desert emotional weather, we are all aware, of course, of the drought in the western states. And in California, almond farmers are uprooting the trees that they can't irrigate. So if you're going to the store, buy a few cans of almonds. Not for them, for yourself, as an investment, or as an heirloom for your grandchildren. Hmm. Yes. My dessert story, I wanted to throw a shout out to my favorite dessert, the banana split. There's something about a banana buried in ice cream that is then smothered in a variety of toppings that makes me so happy. It's a perfect dish, and I need to eat more of them. And for those who need it to be, a banana split is one of the easiest dishes in the world to make gluten-free. So, <clears throat> in case Gil is doing any shopping, she might, I don't know, take note. Maybe she picks up some bananas. Maybe some ice cream. Maybe I'll be her best friend for life if she does. All right. And for my dessert story, I thought I'd give you guys a little bit of a life hack. Uh, you've probably heard somewhere sometime that eating your dessert first will cause you to eat less overall and to make healthier choices with your subsequent meal. And the thing is, because I've started doing this, I find that when I eat dessert first, I don't want a whole dish of sugar. I just want a little bit of sweetness to kind of uh, raise my blood sugar a little bit so I don't feel as desperately hungry. And it really does help me to feel sated just to have like a piece of fruit or in a pinch like a piece of candy or just like a bite or two of ice cream. Yeah. I, you know, I I'm, can't say for sure that it's actually doing anything except, you know, psychologically. But I will say that in contrast to the way that I used to do it, where I would eat my meal, feel like something is missing, and then get a dessert, I never feel like anything's missing. Hmm, interesting. On to uh, just desserts. An Ohio man named Maxwell Berry was arrested after a flight from Philadelphia to Miami. Berry was two drinks in when he decided he needed a third, and that the best way to ask for that drink was to rub the empty cup against the backside of a flight attendant. Barry then spilled his drink on his shirt, went to the bathroom, and came out shirtless. After this, he grabbed the chests of two female flight attendants before punching another male flight attendant. Nearby passengers and that male attendant he punched duct-taped him to his seat. I hope this piece of shit gets what's coming to him. Now, I will say that if this is how you act when you're two drinks in, maybe you just need to lay off the sauce. Or maybe you just need to eat a meal. Right. Well, and the other option, too, is that he maybe had a little something to help him fly before he started drinking. Sure, sure. And man, you don't want to cross those streams. Trust me. All right. Well, for my just desserts, going to get a little heavy on you again. But I do feel like it's something that as a society we need to talk about, even if a comedy podcast is not the perfect venue for it. Mm hmm. Now, there's a strain of thought developing in certain quarters that we should deny or at least deprioritize COVID treatment for people who choose not to be vaccinated. And I, I see why people are saying this. It appeals to the vengeful, baser elements in our nature. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it for a second, it's not really justifiable. It's actually pretty stupid because almost every injury or illness that you'll ever get is going to be in some way a result of your own action or inaction and yet even at those times you're still going to expect quite reasonably i might add 
to get cared for. Mm -hmm. So unless we're prepared to deny back surgery to people with poor posture or insulin to type two diabetics who ate Burger King, you know, it's, and I'm sure that there's people who are going to agree with that sickos and we can pay them no mind, Mm -hmm. but the standard should be who needs care and who could benefit from it, not who deserves it. That is not a road we want to travel down as a society. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I also want to thank you for uh, distinguishing type 2 diabetics from type 1 diabetics. Oh, yeah. It's it's a totally different disease, mm-hmm. really, in many ways. Well, as you know, every week, our investigative team uncovers a detailed and harrowing story on food crime. This week, Greg Person has a story. Greg? Folks, I want to talk to you about the worst candy ever invented, full stop. It's worse than the Cadbury cream egg. Worse than the Violet Crumble for our Australian listeners. Worse than circus peanuts. I'm talking about Necco wafers. I'd only discovered that they had come back quite recently uh, because they had been blasted from the face of the earth in 2018 came back in 2020 because somebody decided that 2020 didn't have enough misery in it. (laughs) If you've never had one before, God bless you. They're little terracotta discs in mouthwatering flavors like clove and wintergreen. By mouthwatering, I mean the thought of them gives me the mouth sweats. Now, these candies were given to soldiers in the Civil War and the World Wars, which is bad enough, But in my research, I discovered that they were actually given to our own troops and not the enemy. They stopped doing it by Vietnam, apparently because they decided it was more humane just to douse them with Agent Orange. Now, the makers of the Necco wafer, you've probably figured out, are also the makers of those disgusting Valentine's conversation hearts you used to throw away as a kid. Mmm, chalky goodness. Now... They are technically here on Earth again, but fortunately, no one born after the New Deal has ever eaten a Necco wafer. So, if we can wait them out, they should disappear for good. Does nobody say Necco wafers three times? If if I turned around and there was a roll of Necco wafers on my table, (laughs) I would scream. I would leap out of this window. Speaking of making your stomach turn... The Hawaii chair. My oh, item tonight segue. on the Podcast Shopping Network. Today on the Podcast Shopping Network, I'd like to talk about another great innovation in exercise. The Hawaii chair was a chair that swiveled in a manner similar to the way a hula dancer moves her hips. Its chief selling points were that it was low impact and could be used at work. All while, and I'm quoting here, stimulating body awareness and verve while massaging inner organs. I'll tell you what, Greg, I can't tell you the last time a chair massaged my inner organs. Although I guess a massage chair I sat on in the desert came close, but that's beside the fact. The Hawaii chair promised to take the workout of your workout and featured a 2800 RPM motor that moved the seat at multiple speeds. Unfortunately, the Hawaii chair was a dismal failure, possibly because of its steep $350 price tag. I have an idea, Gene, and I want you to hear me out because I think it's going to change the world. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, you want a chair that's going to massage your internal organs. We all want that. Yeah, who doesn't? Yeah. So, I got two words for you. Mm-hmm. 
office Sibians. <laughs> well, that's a very different kind of internal organ massage. But uh, yeah, why not? I mean, unlike the Hawaii chair, they've sold a ton of those things. Yeah, yeah. And, well, <laughs> and unlike the infomercial I've seen for the Hawaii chair, the people that use them really seem to enjoy them. Yeah, they seem to be having a lot more fun. That's for sure. There's like a, a kind of a mild bemusement on the Hawaii chair. A lot more direct reaction from those using the Sibians. Right. It's it's you see the you see the people in the Hawaii chair and they're like, oh, I guess I'm doing this now. Right. <laughs> okay. It is time for State Up, our review of made up facts of all fifty states in the Union. This week's state, Michigan. My first fact about Michigan, the capital of Michigan is the letter M. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> It's dumb, but it's funny. Welcome, yeah. new listeners. <laughs> What's good for the Michigoose is good for the Michigander. Ooh, I like that. It's very clever. My second fact, while Michigan is only the 13th highest state in terms of violent crime, it ranks number one for the crime of pooping in a box in your local supermarket and putting it back on the shelf. That's a throwback to episode one of this podcast. Now, I have a question for you, Gene. Sure. Since we were talking about Ricky Jay earlier, is it possible that the poop in the box could be a magic trick of some kind? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it's a half-completed magic trick, though, because ultimately someone did find the box. Well, I mean, maybe we were supposed to find the box. Maybe oh. he vanished whatever the product was inside the box, and surprise, it's poop. But yeah. we didn't see... He didn't set that up for us. Oh, right, right. So it was just like... Some random shopper is going to get their cornflakes and abracadabra poop. <laughs> Hocus poopus. <laughs> Half of Michigan is on the upper peninsula, or as the Michigans call it, the up, because it's up above the other part. <laughs> so stupid. All right. Uh, my third fact in Detroit, you can own a house for roughly the same price as one Diet Coke at Knott's Berry Farm. You might have to fight a bear or a family of ducks to move in, though. The Michigan coastline is so long that scientists say it never ends. It goes on and on and on and on. Strangers waiting right, all right, up and down the boulevard. There we go. <clears throat> Our final segment tonight, as every week, is still called Person to Person in Person because it's still a damned good name, and it's also where we share your valuable feedback with our audience. We did have an episode comment from our original Tim, Tim, who wrote, Still listening, but holy hell, the visceral reaction to this Kurdish story, I don't feel well. Well, Tim, you're not alone. As part of the Anchor Person's Promise, we, we couldn't shy away from a story just because it made us incredibly, terribly, more adverbs, even more adverbs, uncomfortable. But in keeping with the brand the persons have striven to deliver since day one, we told a story that nobody wanted to hear in a way that nobody wanted to hear it. And we'll probably keep doing that. We sense there's a story, and, and what can I say? We just keep cracking away. Well, and I'll tell you this too, Tim. If you hear this story and it makes you feel nauseous and like you would never ever want to think about that idea again, 
it did its job. You're welcome, bud. <laughs> right. I mean, that's a very good point. I also wanted to apologize quickly to Tim because apparently he'd been commenting on a bunch of our shit on Twitter and we'd, we, we'd never bothered to log into Twitter in like ages. And all of a sudden all these Tim reactions are in there and I hearted a bunch of them and I felt terrible. This, this, it's good that we're going to be on social media a little more actively. It has been, we have been remiss. Yep. We, we know that we have fans. We love you. Uh, we just went out to get a pack of smokes. It's like your dad, except we did come back. So as always, I'd like to give a shout out to our bros at the Brose podcast, including Tim and our new friends at Brought to You by the Letter uh, and to our voiceover artist, Adam West, who you can find on Fiverr or at his website, awestprod.com. Yes. Folks, that's all the news the persons have for you tonight. Would you like a haiku written about the topic of your choice? Send your topic and the anchor persons might just make that happen. Gene and Greg love your feedback, and there are so many ways to give it to them. Send them an email, anchorpersonspodcast at gmail.com. Find them on Twitter, at anchorpersons. Or visit their website, anchorpersonspodcast.com, where you can leave an audio message via SpeakPipe, as well as find full episodes of the show, blog posts, and more. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcatcher of your choice. Or simply tell a friend. Until next time. This is Gene Person saying you should always end a comedy set with a callback. And this is Greg Person saying a sincere thanks and a sincere fuck you. Good night. Thank you, thank you. And for my next trick, I'm going to clear this clogged toilet and fill it with delicious treats for my audience. It's a trick I like to call the Michigan Switch. Yes, thank you.